Hello and thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. I can clearly remember visiting a little village in a third world country where garbage littered the streets, mice and rats scurried along the back alleyways, and even inside the rows and rows of shacks. But despite these obvious signs of poverty, happy children played in the streets and every puny hovel I entered was a home filled with joy. Most of these people did not own a pair of shoes and their meal times consisted of the same food, breakfast, lunch and supper, rice and whatever vegetables or fruit they could grow. None of the little shacks these people lived in had beds to sleep on, just hard dirt and cement floors. Yet there was such a cheerful atmosphere in every single dwelling I entered. They spoke of their blessings, their many, many blessings. They sang and sang and sang. Singing came from the tin shacks, the old churches, and even from the little trading kiosks along the street. When I asked the people why they were so joyful, they answered, because God is so good. And it reminded me of Daniel in the Bible, who was a prisoner in Babylon. And yet he proclaimed, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. Or Joseph, who despite being confined in prison, was so thankful and remained hopeful and positive because he positioned his faith in God. Today on It Is Written Canada, you will meet David and Daryl Bowdoin, who also chose to position their faith in God. Their story has always been a source of inspiration to me personally because they are both so cheerful and thankful to Jesus for the peace that he has brought into their lives. However, they were not always so joyful. In a moment, you will hear their story. Thank you for joining us again on It Is Written Canada. We are here in Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta, where we are visiting with our good friends, pastors David and Daryl Bowdoin, whose story and their Christian journey has always been a source of inspiration to me personally. David and Daryl, thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Canada. It is our pleasure to thank be with you, you today. for the invitation, yes. So, you guys are obviously tw identical twins. Can you tell Can you us tell? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us what it was like and how this influenced your lives? You know, being a twin is a novelty uh, for many people. Uh, so growing up, we had many experiences and opportunities where people would kind of spotlight us uh, at school 
at uh, our early church experience, and they'd get us up there to sing songs together. Music's been a very uh, integral part of our experience. But it's been a, a real blessing uh, yeah. to be twins and, and to just have somebody around that you can bounce ideas off and uh, have some fun with. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. You have always inspired me with the closeness that you have. Like you talk to each other regularly. You share common interests. and That's the key right there. Because we share a common interest, we are on the same page with so many things in life, and therefore it behooves us to stay connected and to draw there from each other. There was a time where we weren't that close, you know. Yeah, And as we entered our teen years, there was a bit of a separation. You know, he went into his uh, rock and roll days, and, and I went into my music. Uh, but uh, that time we gave our life to Christ, that changed everything. But we body built together, didn't we? <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah. But we, still, we just didn't have that closest. Can you yeah. imagine a skinny vegetarian bodybuilder? <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way it was back then, yeah. So take us back to your childhood. Uh, what was that like in your home growing up uh, as identical twins, but also just what was the home life like? Well, we were the second generation uh, of twins. We have uncles that were twins. And uh, so we were, we were greatly loved, you know, I have to say that. And uh, very social home, too. Our neighborhood was uh, somewhat, our home was a somewhat of a hub to our neighborhood. Lots of friends coming and going. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of camaraderie, a very social um, type of life that we had. Yeah. And do you have any siblings? We do, yeah. There were a family of uh, seven of us, including the parents, but there's a, there, there was a two girls and three boys. Yeah. yeah, I would say that our early ages, too, was um, uh, passing through the 60s, the 70s. And what kind of generation is that? The me generation, the if it feels good, do it generation. Well, the hippie generation. The hippie generation, that, too. And that's, you know, so this is detriment. It's to our disadvantage because we got caught up in you know, the atmosphere of that generation. Yet our home was still somewhat of a Judeo-Christian atmosphere. Uh, Mom uh, came from an Anglican background, Mormon background. Our father was Catholic. So those uh, sprinklings of, of uh, religion were yeah. present in our life. Our mom and dad divorced when we were about 10, 11 years old. So that definitely sent us in a different direction. So David and Daryl, were there any early life experiences that contributed to you being open to the Holy Spirit? Well, I definitely remember one occasion um, laying out in a school field behind our house, and it was in the evening time. I'm not sure if Daryl was there that night or not. And I'm surprised I, that, you know, yeah, that you say it's one experience, but it obviously well, that was very memorable to you. But I remember yeah. just looking up at the stars and, and just contemplating eternity mm -hmm. and looking up and just thinking, you know, well, what happens if you get to a brick wall? What's on the other side of the brick wall? Mm -hmm. you know? But the thought came to me that night that you know, whoever uh, is out there, and you know, at that time I thought God flew around in a UFO. You know? mm -hmm. And I thought whoever it was that was out there, uh, he had to be kind. You know? And I, I can't explain why that mm -hmm. thought came to my mind, maybe because I just felt so insignificant. But whoever, whoever was out there that, that was God had to be kind and loving. And it's just a thought that just followed me right into my conversion experience later years in, in life. And that's why I mentioned about the, being surprised about the one time he can remember that. Because for me, it seems that from you know, most of my teen years, 12 to 18, uh, many times I remember the deep existential thoughts, you know, uh, staring out the window 
in my bedroom or laying under the stars for hours and coming to those same thoughts, you know, is there a roof to the space and, you know, what's out there, who's out there, etc. And these were obviously in my mind, our minds, you know, the stirring of God's spirit preparing us. And, you know, and I think of, you know, that intrinsic uh, reality with most people that there is these inbred inner longings to uh, find something that satisfies us and uh, the things that this world cannot satisfy. And that's why finding it in Jesus Christ is the, uh, the final experience of a blessing for us. But it's funny, as you look back in retrospect, you see these instances where you know the Holy Spirit was leading in your life mm -hmm. because it led you to a certain point in your journey. Mm -hmm. yeah. So is this longing in your hearts before you became a Christian, what were you doing? What were you... Uh, doing in your lives? Well, music was a big part of our lives. Yes, yeah. and of course, when mom and dad divorced, uh, things went uh, south from there uh, as young people because you need that father figure for young boys, I, I would think too, as well as the mother. And I, I think of what my mom had to go through trying to keep five siblings together in a, an experience where now substance abuse uh, the music, the whole... But it was at that point where we really started generation. getting into the music. Yeah, because we grew up in the 60s, late 60s and 70s, you know. Yeah. So uh, the hippie generation, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that's when we started getting into music. And I received my first guitar, my first Les Paul guitar when I was about 18 Well, we wanted to age. play drums, but... Uh, my, my dad bought us a guitar and just said, well, try the guitar. You know, if that doesn't work, then we'll get you drums. And he you knew what he was doing. That you know? guitar is not around today. Why is that? Uh, we used to use it for a toboggan. Yeah. <laughs> we used to come. We learned to play the guitar. Then we used it for a toboggan. We'd, we'd throw the guitar in its case down the hill, and we'd both jump on it and slide <laughs> down the rest of the hill on it. Hey, we're only ten years old, so. And it was probably a very nice guitar back then to the mom and dad spend the money on. But, you know, years later, we found that, that, that personal desire to play the guitar. And from then on, we continued to advance quite rapidly. Because when I first began playing uh, the guitar uh, with a real personal interest, within two years, I was playing in a professional band and uh, traveling and doing the gigs, as they call it. And... Uh, it was uh, a learning experience, but it was a self experience of self-abuse and self-destruction over a 10-year period. But the music was a big part of what we did before our conversion experience. So, David, did you join Daryl on all these gigs? Uh, no, no. Daryl was uh, the rock and roller. Uh, he was doing his gigs, and I was playing my acoustic guitar. I liked it a little more toned down. And, uh, but I have to be honest, when he was doing his, uh, his gigs, um, and they'd have their little, their little parties. First thing I would do is go into the bathroom and stick toilet paper in my ears to, to uh, deaden and things And stick around bit. and enjoy the music, right? <laughs> well, that's right, yeah. You know, stick around and enjoy the time, but maybe not the music, but yeah. uh, the party, you know? No, it was very sordid times playing. We were an A circuit band. In Alberta, you have the ABC circuit, and the A circuits were the tighter, well-paid bands, and we did those venues. And uh, it was a self-destructive lifestyle. You know, up all night after the bar closes and the party's over, the party's just beginning because now you're over at somebody else's place till sunup and it's sleeping all day and then getting up and doing the same thing over again. And at, during those years, I started to begin to feel somewhat like an animal in a cage, not really sure how to get out of this 
pit of the drugs, the smoking. You know, every time I'd smoke marijuana, pot, cannabis today, um, you know, it was hurting my lungs. And uh, it wasn't uh, sitting well with me. And I just didn't know where to turn to find uh, the victory until Jesus took control of our lives. And in a sense, even with all, ha all that was happening back in those days, it was still a lonely time because we weren't finding the satisfaction that we wanted in that. Mm -hmm. God was leading us to a point in our lives. Um, probably going to come up in one of your questions, you know. So that's what I was going to ask right now. So what circumstances led you to, to the Christ? Okay. Well, I think that begins with me, uh, in a sense, because I was working at a paper mill not too far from here, and uh, one of my co-workers, it was a night shift, and one of my co-workers gave me a book about Bible prophecy. And it was about the end of the world, about war at the end of the world. And I read that book in two nights. And at the end of night number two, uh, there was a little peel at the back of the book, uh, how to give your heart to Jesus. And I remember going home and uh, laying in bed and uh, just saying, God, if you're real, uh, you know, make me a Christian. And uh, at that instant, I felt a wave of, of um, I can't even explain it, just a wave of, of warmth, emotion. I felt like I was levitating on my bed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, God was giving me a physical experience because at that point I was heavily into drugs mm -hmm. and I was into physical experiences. Mm -hmm. So God gave me something that I could relate to. And I slept like a baby that night that, or that morning. It was a, it was a, I came home after a night shift. And when I woke up, I knew something had changed. And you gave me a copy of that I, book. That's right. And so Daryl will take over from here because I gave him the book. And I just kind of shelled it for a few days. And he asked me, he says, did you read the book? And then he looked at me straight. And he says, Daryl, if there's anything you need to do that's of a priority, you need to read that book. And I saw in him this sense of seriousness. I thought, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read this book. So I grabbed myself a half a case of beer, <laughs> a, a joint, rolled up a joint, and began to start reading this book. And in two nights, I read the book also. And then at the end of the book, it asked to pray the sinner's prayer. And here I am, stoned, you know, uh, intoxicated. But God took me where I was, right? Wow. And uh, putting that burden on my heart. Within a week or so, you received a handbill to a prophecy well, seminar. Three weeks later, we were, the same fellow who gave me the book at, at work gave me a handbill that a prophecy seminar was coming to Edmonton. Yeah. During that time, I was in my home with some friends and uh, somebody pointed out a TV commercial with these beasts and this prophecy seminar taking place at the Shaw Convention Center in Edmonton. He showed me the brochure a few days later and I said, hey, that's the same thing that I saw happening that I saw the commercial about. And so we decided we were going to attend that seminar and I think it was the second night that we attended we missed the first night for some reason I think God's providence and hand was in that the the second night that we attended was on signs of the times mm. and here we are long hair uh, you know but the interesting thing I want to point out is that God used that book even though there was air in that book yeah he used that book to lead us to Christ Stir our and hearts. then within three weeks he was going to bring us to the uh, a fuller understanding of Bible truth. And yeah, within the, the four or five week period of that seminar, uh, prophecy seminar, we attended probably about 22 of the 26 presentations and were baptized shortly after. And that was the beginning, we the transition yeah. it was. We went walking out of the house every day with a beer in your hand to a Bible, Bible in your hand. hand. That's about it, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. We replace the beer with the Bible. Yeah. The beer with the Bible, yeah. That's right. So, There'd be a song I can write on that. But the Bible for the beer. Bible instead of a beer. So then 
you now, uh, it must have been a whirlwind tour because now you're, you're pastors today. Mm -hmm. So what, what transpired? What led you to become pastors? Okay, well, you know, I think that began with me as well. And I think um, we were baptized in, on June 21st, 1986. Six, yeah. And um, within three months, by September, somebody came to me and said, how would you like to go door to door with me and hand out literature? And, you know, I was a little bit nervous. I said, but just give it a try, you know? So we loaded up a couple backpacks with, uh, you know, Desire of the Ages and Signs of the Times. And uh, I remember going to the first door and uh, handing the lady a Signs of the Times. And she just gave me this big smile and said, oh, thank you very much. I look forward to reading it. And I, I just couldn't believe it. It was that easy, you know? And uh, so I went to Daryl and I said, you know, we gotta, you got to come with me and try this out, you know? And the Lord just put a fire in our hearts at that point. I would so. add, too, that, you know, our conversion experience, I, I look at it as explosive, uh, very transitional. Um, we did something that I might be unique to some people. Uh, we went to our local Christian bookstore that our church uh, promotes, and uh, we purchased $1,600 of Bible commentary books, uh, uh, devotional books, etc. We walked the, in there with a shopping cart. The Spirit cart of Prophecy Library. It. We did, and we went home and we filled up a shelf with all these books, and for two, three years, this was our seminary degree training. We sat down and we read, and I remember exhausted with study day in day out using my fingers as bookmarks in different parts of the bible and these books and just having to just close it up and go for a walk and just assess what it is i'm learning and after maybe two years of this reading we realized we possess something incredibly important and we can do no other than share it with others and the, the next thing for us to do was to go door to door so while all that material. is going on we, we started a door-to-door -door ministry a company at that yeah we had people um, donating thousands of dollars uh, to our our ministry and uh, every sunday we'd get together with probably you know 15 or 20 uh, church members and we'd be handing out these these books uh, we, we covered an area of Edmonton Millwoods which was about 50,000 people at the time it took us about two years to do it but mm. we covered every home we gave out 10,000 books during that time as a as a musician I was also a furniture mover and a uh, little guy but uh, you know we were always loved that that, that heavy work and that hard work and uh, I made a, a packed with God, if you will, that I'm going to go door to door with a bag full of books and I'm going to give them away on a donation basis. And Lord, if I can make enough money to live off of going hour by hour, then I'm going to move away from my furniture moving business and start our own company. And we did that. I went out, I think, with an airline bag full of great controversies and just gave them away on a donation basis, came back with enough cash to show me that I made about $20 an hour doing it. So we thought, well, let's just start buying pallets of books. And we would order the great controversy, patriots and prophets, ministry of he desire of ages, and... Um, Ministry of Healing, we would shrink wrap them in blocks of books and we started a company called Better Living Books. And, and it was go, so successful yeah. that the, uh, the uh, conference, Alberta Conference, got, hold of, got wind of what we were doing and asked us if we would come and sell books for the Home Health Education Service. And when I met you, the two of you were uh, Bible workers and you were, you know, uh, bringing people into the church and yes. baptizing them. So we, we did co-porter work for about 12 years, yeah. and then the conference invited us to be Bible workers, conference Bible workers, and we did that for three years. 
And then at the end of the three years, they asked us to take on full pastoral duties. And uh, we've been doing that for the last 22 years. And uh, during that time, we became evangelists. And I think between the two of us, we've probably done 60 crusades, you know. Yeah. Uh, we don't call them crusades anymore, prophecy seminars, mm -hmm. you know. So David and Daryl, you both ordained pastors, but you're also musicians. So I wonder if you would please share your music video with us right now. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. 
David and Daryl, thank you so much for your music video. I just love the words, Jesus live in me forever. All my hope I place in thee is important, an important part of that phrase too. It really is all about putting all our hope in him and giving him all our hearts. Amen. And as we finish up uh, our program together, are there any encouraging words uh, that you would give to our viewers to help them, to encourage them to find the same kind of peace that you have found? I appreciate you giving a chance to, to say something to you. Yeah, yeah. Looking back at our uh, my conversion and, and Daryl's as well, but uh, you know, it wasn't until uh, for the first 28 years of my life I was serving myself. And then for the last 35 years I've had the opportunity to serve Jesus. And uh, for those first first half of my uh, non-Christian life, it's, um, I, was, I was looking for something that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And I am so thankful for the last 35 years, what I have. Mm -hmm. So if there's anybody out there that's still searching, give your heart to Jesus and uh, you'll experience the same thing. Indeed, you know, there, there are billions that are searching today. And in, never in a time of earth history has Jesus and the principles of God's word been more relevant so we, we would just like to encourage those who are experiencing those existential yearnings for something better. You will be blessed, enriched, transformed, empowered. Amen. So before we end, David, I wonder if, if I could ask you to please pray for us. Loving Father, we want to thank you so much for sending Jesus to this world and uh, giving us the hope of eternal life. Amen. As we look forward to the soon return of Jesus, I just pray that uh, everyone who's listening to my voice today would just have the same peace, the same hope and the joy that Daryl and I have experienced uh, the way that you have led in our lives. Amen. So we just uh, thank you so much for all that you've done and just pray a blessing on, upon every uh, hearer today that has joined us this afternoon. And we pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Friends, have you ever heard somebody say, you have your truth and I have mine? Really? People agree that it is not wise to step out of the 10th story window because gravity is a truth that works the same for all. And it's also not safe to eat certain types of mushrooms. These are truths that are equally true for all. In fact, science and technology are built upon the proposition that truth is waiting out there to be discovered. Today's free offer, God's Truth Can Change Your Life, shows that there is truth not only in the material world, but also in the social and spiritual realms. 
Truth that is foundational to personal and social health. Truth that our special guests, Daryl and David Bodwin, experienced and that truth transformed their lives. It can transform your life too. Friends, we want you to experience the truth that is found in the words of Jesus when he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.